0: Six defeat of legislation. Well, it's not difficult because it's on the church diary. <laughs> actually, which is a reminder. we have got the church diary here. But I remember those two occasions. For some of you, you weren't even born. But actually, there was legislation brought in on that date, which was relaxation of laws restricting Sunday trading. Now, you may think that is pretty minor sort of legislation compared to all the things that go on. And uh, indeed, in, in a way, it is. But in actually, it actually affected um, many things in this country. Some of the consequences that Sunday has become like every other day in the week. There are few constraints on what can be done. The 24-7 world is truly with us, isn't it? You really sense that in this city. There are choices, but actually they're more constraints because of the patterns of working that are now forced upon many people as a result of the fact that Sunday has to be serviced like every other day of the week. And, of course, one man's freedom is at the expense of another's restrictions. So it has changed things. It was warned that that would happen. It has happened. And... Um, it's got consequences for all of us because this is the society in which we live this is the world in which we live we can't escape it it's the atmosphere all around us and uh, I don't think there's any denying that Sunday is no longer the special day that it might have been I do remember days when it was possible to come in a measure of quietness to a church that's not the same as it now it's quite different. It had consequences for the church. Sunday was the accepted day of Christian meeting and the whole day was special. I mean, you probably have to go back 100 years or so, but even people who didn't have a particular heart knowledge of Christian things would nevertheless realize the specialness of the day. And um, in the very energetic and keen churches, there was activity all through the day when, when Christian people met. So they would have prayer meetings in the morning and a, and a morning meeting and maybe two Sunday schools in the afternoon and then an evening meeting and maybe an open-air service afterwards. And some churches still do that. That, that just was the way it was. And um, and in the homes, it was the case that uh, certain things were not done. Um, of course, they wouldn't have had a TV 100 years ago, but there were other things in that. The picture, sort of a stereotype picture is of children playing with Noah's Ark in the afternoon. The family Bible maybe be coming out. Um, now we're living in a changed environment. And there are many personal and different choices. And because we live, do live in an age where um, people are quite individual and they make their own decisions, Christians do the same thing. And there's quite a lot of confusion in, in that matter and uncertainty. And they make their own personal different choices about the use of this particular day. There's little discussion about this, let alone agreement about what should be done, if anything, probably for fear of treading on people's toes and making them uncomfortable with their behaviours and so forth. This matters. Not because we're losing traditions, because traditions always need to be challenged, whether they're good ones or not. But because the Bible has something to say on this matter. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, today. What does the Bible have to say about this? Well here's a problem. Because there are many different interpretations. Good gospel people. Have um, come to different conclusions. on what the Bible is actually saying. On this subject. And. Um, you will have heard the words. Sabbath. Sunday. Lord's Day. Christian Sabbath, these are variously used to describe and uh, express the spectrum of understanding that different people have about that. So there would be those who come from the, the position of saying that the, the great amount of evidence that we have in the Old Testament is still valid, relevant, important for today. And there would be others who say, actually there's not very much in the New Testament about Sabbath. So perhaps... The whole thing has moved to the side. Um, And there are people who would say, on the one hand, we should keep one day in seven. And there are those who say, because we're in Christ, every day is special. Seven days out of seven. And there were those who would say, we should keep the seventh day special. So they would keep Saturday as a special day. And there were those who say, no, it's been changed, quite evidently, from the New Testament. So it's now the first day of the week. And we keep Sunday. How have we got to these positions? Well, we're going to try to look at this over two weeks, and um, what I would want to say here is that uh, we're not going to come to conclusions today. You're going to have to wait till next week, or even conclusions might be rather tentative to say that. We'll only get so far. We're going to cover the Old Testament passages this morning. And uh, need next Sunday to look at the Gospel record, notably what Jesus has to say by his words and behavior, and how this is applied to the early church and therefore applies to us. Um, please don 't preempt in your thoughts where we might be going on this, <laughs> too much. I mean, we all sit with certain um, preconceptions or traditions which are very strong and personal and precious to us and uh, I just want us together as a church to look at this material in the Bible, see what the Bible has to say. And we all need to submit to the Bible. I've wrestled with this subject for a long time. For a long time. And uh, I'm not saying I I even feel completely comfortable with everything. Because, as I said before, there's there's a lot of controversy and, and difference of opinion on these points. But... We believe that the word of God is sufficient to help us to come to places of peaceful conviction. And uh, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing as a church whether we could unitedly come to as much clarity as we possibly can? Let's ask the help of the Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit, please help us as we open the the word this morning. We thank you so much that you've given us enough and we pray for your illumination and your help in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we're going to start with the, uh, with the passage that um, Jack read to us earlier. And in particular, to look at um, chapter 2 and verses one to, three, 1 to 3 of Genesis. I don't know if you noticed when we, when we went through that reading, how often the, the word day is mentioned. Day, day, day. There was a very clear division of Days. And our week is spelled out for us in Genesis chapter 1, where God does his creating work. His creating work. What marvelous work. I love that. There's one of the verses it says, And he also made the stars. You see, just see. a kind of. He also made the stars. And we don't know how many stars there are. Billions of stars, aren't they? And it's an extraordinary thing that, that uh, made the stars. <laughs> climax of, of the work of God on the, on the sixth day is the um, the making of man and so God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. male and female he created them it is truly the pinnacle of God's creating work now we come to Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 then Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Completed. Filled. Finished. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, here's an important point. We're going to be picking up little points as we go through these Old Testament passages. Rested. What do you think... What do you think that implies? God's been hard at work for six days. Does he need a rest? Well, he doesn't need a rest in terms of physical energy or all he's expended for that. The word actually means he stops. He ceases. The work of creation has been done. So he stops and... There's a pause. Now that's a helpful thought for us, just to remember that, because this passage is actually sort of seminal to our understanding of the whole meaning of a a day of rest. It is not fundamentally about having a good sleep. It's about stopping what you've been doing and doing something different. And we read on. God blessed the day, the seventh day, and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And these two words, blessed and holy, are absolutely fundamental to understanding the specialness of this day. The whole day was set apart and God blessed the day. How could he bless a day? How could he bless a day? Well, it's inanimate. It's just, it's just something on a calendar, isn't it? But it doesn't mean that. It, it means bless the use of the day if it's well done. It's for man. God blessed that day for mankind. They were to enjoy it. might also say that, um, uh, well, it, 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 it's big. <laughs> bless the day. Made it holy. Holy means sanctified, set apart, made special. It's for God to decide how this day is to be spent. So here's something which is a blessing for man on the one hand, and it's also for God. God and man. So we need to be clear about this point, because the the true expression and, and usefulness of this day is about things which are a blessing to man, but they're only made a blessing when they're also holy to God. And another point, which we should notice here, is that this day, this blessed and holy day, is given to Adam and Eve as the representatives of the whole of the human race. This is before the fall of man. This is before all that was damaged as we find in Genesis chapter 3. And it's a pattern for everybody. So here's another seed thought. That this special day. Is not just. For people who belong to God. In a covenant relationship. But it's to be enjoyed. And. Um, experienced. By all. There are blessings attached to this day. This was the battle that was fought back in 1994. Oh, and people saying. Yeah. This is good for people to have this special day. It's good for them to be able to come out of their work situations. It's good for them to be doing something different. And um, through the centuries, really, this has been demonstrated pragmatically that to have a day of rest, this day apart, is actually a complete blessing. Students, I want to talk, I want to, talk to any students here today, I would really encourage you to take this matter very seriously. To think of this as a whole day rather than uh, just something where you you just sort of squeeze in a bit of church and uh, and then the rest of it is something to do with your studies and so forth. Well, here we are, right back to the days of creation. This is a special day and it's a pattern for everybody. And whoever you are, God will bless you as a student, (laughs) as a studier, if you keep this day special and different. I found that to be my experience when I first became a Christian I, I made it a deliberate policy that I, I wouldn't actually do, do study work on the special day and God looked after me and God provided I didn't get a first <laughs> it doesn't matter but <laughs> well, what I did get was closeness to Jesus Christ first. which was a blessing But I say it's a pattern for everybody. I'd encourage every student in this city to actually consider the day of rest. I think it's an enormous shame when everybody has to be handing in things on first thing on Monday morning. You're just going to have to finish your work on Saturday. (laughs) This this passage is, is beautiful and it's significant and it should never be disregarded. This is the first mention of this special day. So before we sort of dive into the sort of Jewish version of this, um, we, we have the big picture portrayed before us. This is the way God has set it out. Of all the things that he's said and done, it's remarkable we just find this being mentioned now. He could have mentioned many other things, but this is the day he set apart. What was God doing on that day? I think he was admiring the work of his hands. I think he was saying, this is very good. I think he was looking back upon that week of creation and saying, this is marvellous, this is splendid. Rejoicing in the work of his hands. And there is a significance for us in this as well. That when we come to the end of our week, even though we know we've got another week of work ahead and another week of work after that, that it's right and good for us to be able to look back with gratitude and thankfulness upon a reflection upon the week that we've had. And if you don't have that day, you're not going to take, take and have that opportunity. But Christian people, this is a splendid thing, isn't it? That we should be able to look back with seriousness about the week that we just enjoyed and to see how God has been very kind to us and good to us and to recognise also where we, we may have gone astray ourselves. But it's a day for reflection. And all of us should be able to look back upon our weeks and say, how good God has been. How kind he's been. How he's looked after me. It's a pattern. There's an interesting degree of, I wouldn't quite call it silence, but there's not much said about what happens between creation and the time of Moses and the Exodus. There are hints because every so often the number seven crops up in various ways. But we're going to look at one passage now which is uh, very interesting because it is one of those which actually says something about what happened between the creation and the time when Israel came out of Egypt. So Exodus chapter 16 verses 21 to 30. This is the chapter about God's provision for the people as they were in the desert. And God provided for them by a heavenly bread. We don't know what it consisted of. It just fell from the skies. And it was to be gathered by the people off the ground and it was for them a daily bread. This was called manna. Each morning, verse 21, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers, which, if you look in the footnote, about oh, f- 4.5 liters. Um, for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. This is quite interesting. So on the sixth day, there was obviously enough of this stuff on the ground that they could gather it up. Well, as we find, as we read on, there was more than enough days provision. There was two days provision for them. And uh, this was curious enough for the leaders to report it to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And Sabbath is the word for rest. That's what it means. Ceasing. Just remember that again. Ceasing. A holy ceasing to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today six days you're to gather it but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will not be any nevertheless some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it but they found none then the Lord said to Moses how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath that is why on the sixth day he gives you bread enough for two days Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one's to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And here we see in this rather homely tale, there's a memory of that first week of creation. So I think although it's not expressed here in the Bible between Genesis and Exodus, there was a memory of what God had intended from Genesis chapter 2. That there should be this a day of rest occurring. And it's being picked up here in a very practical way in this storyline. And God will provide. That's, that's the lesson of this story here, isn't it? God's blessing and provision. There'll be enough for you on the sixth day. Pick up, take it home. You can use it for Sunday. Not Sunday, sorry. Saturday, <laughs> the Sabbath day. But at the same time, we see here a problem because people didn't trust that route. And uh, being rather greedy, they went out and tried to get some more on the seventh day. Stock their shelves. Nothing there. Well, I could make all sorts of parallels with what happens today. (laughs) In the same way, people think, oh, we're going to be better off if we actually have the work seven days. If we do all we can, seven days. And so forth. And this is in a, in a way, what was going on here? The people were just saying, well, we can get more if we just use that seventh day in the same way. God's saying, I'm not going to you. It's going to be a problem. And there wasn't, there wasn't anything provided for them. Because God had said, you need to do what you need to do in the six days, and the seventh is a day for, day for ceasing. We move on to the fourth of God's ten words what's often called the Ten Commandments, but actually the, 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 uh, the phrase in Hebrew is words. So please turn to Exodus chapter 20. Our particular section is verses 8 to 11, but we're going to read now from uh, verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20. So this is when Moses goes on to Mount Horeb at Sinai. And he receives from God um, ten specific words or commands... ...which are to characterize the people that God has called out of Egypt... ...called to be his own, called to be part of his family. And these are the things which are to characterize these covenant people. Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Please notice that. This is the starting point. Not just I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. I've redeemed you. I've rescued you. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter. Nor your manservant or maid servant, Nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. Alien or stranger, foreigner. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this fourth Word. this fourth commandment in verse 8 starts with the word remember, remember. So this is partly a reminding of people, saying to people, think back of the words that have already spoken uh, from creation time. This is something that they were probably doing in a measure but now it's really spelled out to them in greater detail what they should be about. They've known this before. There have been hints but now they are to um, seriously engage with this. And remember also, because we forget and we don't have um, a proper understanding because of our sinfulness, that we try and skate past the commandments of God. We don't do the things that he wants us to do. And this this is one of the things he wanted the people to do. And as we shall see in other passages there, This is one of the things they kept on messing up, not getting it right. Notice that this is a very positive um, command. People can have very negative views about the use of this day and feel, oh, it just gets in the way of doing what I want to do. I wish I had more time to do other things as well. But it's a positive thing that we should do. And it's an extensive sign of God's covenant with his people. This is what they were going to do. The other nations didn't do this. But this is what this nation was going to do. They were going to spend this day in a special way. And people were going to look at it and say, it's a bit odd. Why are these Israelites behaving in this way? We don't live like that. Why are they doing it in that way? So it would prompt a question. And when they saw the blessing that came upon that community... As we've described before, the way God provided for them, so there was enough for them on this rest day. They were only working six days, the other work nations were working seven, and they were still a successful nation. How is that possible? What does it mean? The question would be raised, and it would be a testimony, it would be a light, it would be a significance to people as they saw this happening. And may it be true that when people see us coming into community here on this day and they rather puzzle by it, you know, bus, car, walk, whatever you do to get here. They say, why, why are you doing this? Why, why are you actually spending your time in this sort of way when you could be doing lots of other things? So it prompts a question. And it was to be a sign to the nations because God had given this provision for all people to enjoy. In a way, we're saying, come and join in. Come and embrace this. Come and enjoy what God has, has done. And then we have the added ingredient of redemption. Chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. The people are to rest, not just to admire the work of their hands, as it were, and to rejoice in the God he provided, but also to remember that they were a redeemed people. And on this day, we re- remember redemption, redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's still a blessing for non-Jews, because if you look in that passage there, you will see that the alien within your gates, the stranger, the people who were living in the land, they were also not to be working on that day. It was to be a blessing for them as well. Even though they were not part of the covenant people, they were to be blessed by the day. And it's spelled out in some detail. Now I want us to move on to um, another passage which gives another hint of how we may profit from this day. It's Leviticus 23 and verse 3. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You're not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. So Sabbath, remember again, means ceasing. You stop your work. And it's a day of sacred assembly. What does that mean? It means you don't just stay at home. You come together with the people of God. You assemble as people This is what the church does together. Therefore, here here again, we can make some quick application of this. The Israelites did not stay in their tents. They didn't just stay in their family units, as precious as that was. They were encouraged to come together in an assembly. And in the assembly, they would do the things that we read about in Psalm 92. They would praise God. There would be music on the 10-string lyre. I haven't got one of those here today. But that would happen. There would be that blessing of the joyfulness of god's people coming together and together giving their praises to god for all his mercies and kindness for his redemptive work and great praise arising to god from that they would assemble that's why we assemble on this special day we do so because god has encouraged us to do that He loves to see that. He loves to see the gathering, the diversity, the richness of his work in people's lives all represented as we gather together in this manner. It's personal as well. So we do spend time in this day and it's right for us to spend time in this day in personal reflection, personal thanksgiving to God. But it's also important that we should assemble together churches have tried to work this out through the centuries in different ways and perhaps some people have gone over the top and some people have gone the other extreme as well but again in this very individualistic way it's very unhealthy for people to stay at home and to listen to sermons on the internet on on this day it's it's really unhealthy (laughs) to do that we need to make the effort to assemble and it is an effort if you had yesterday's weather today I think, you know, we'd all be struggling, blown here and there, wouldn't we? But it's great to make the effort. And when you hear of stories from other countries and you see the way people make enormous sacrifices to be together, travel long distances with great hardship, and even in fear of their lives because gathering together may be illegal, but still they want to do it. In the time of the the covenanters in the 1500s in Scotland... They used to meet in their twos and threes in in really secluded places because the authorities were after them. And they would have been killed if they'd been found assembling in that fashion there. But they still had an urgent desire to assemble. I love to read the stories of of people uh, on this special day gathering together for prayer before the sun rises. (laughs) Because this is the day the Lord has made and they want to rejoice and be glad in it. People making that extra energy and effort. Just do that. Don't you feel blessed? Don't you know what a blessing it is when you do make that effort? I'm not saying there's always a direct connection, but I do feel that there are times when you just feel it's hard to get out of bed, you know, really tired, the bus is late, etc., etc. Still come. Don't turn back. You just just come, because you need to be with God's people. That's the assembly that took place. (coughs) And this is what God wanted to happen every seventh day. It should take place. So what happened next in the storyline? Because there are many hundreds of years to go through in the uh, storyline of the Israelite people. And I'm just going to pick up on Isaiah chapter 58, although there are actual very similar references in the books of Amos, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. So we're talking of the period of time sort of Oh, 600 BC, somewhere like that, before Christ. So what was happening? So let's read Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. Well, the context here is that uh, the people have departed from the Lord. In fact, all these prophets here had to address situations where there was a sort of gross uh, sinfulness going on in the land. In particular, they had bad leaders, bad priests, and they were not led in a good way. And Isaiah has a particular theme about injustice. There was so much injustice in the land, which he, which he is personally you know, clearly very stirred up about. And the people are just going through the form so in verse 6, we read about fasting. If they do fasting. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, says Isaiah, with the words the Lord has given him, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. And he goes on about needing to clothe the naked. And the blessings that would be attached, if they came and did what they should be doing with their hearts and not just with their bodies, And so here here are some salutary, but also encouraging words, in a sense, in verses 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land, to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love this passage. It it feels like New Testament. (laughs) It feels like end times, actually. It's glorious. It's rich, because on the one hand, it's pointing out the things that the people are doing wrong, and God is still promising to them Clear that out. Get rid of it. Sort your life out. And start doing these things in a wholehearted fashion for my praise and glory. The Sabbath was abused. They were going where they wanted. You notice that? If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, instead of going to the assembly, some of them were just diving out of that. They were doing as they pleased. Did you, did you see that? Verse 13. From doing as you please on my holy day. What an up-to-date picture. <laughs> of, of us who should know better. Doing as we pleased. Well, what do I want to do today? got freedom. I can do what I like. Well, oh, God says that's not real freedom. Real freedom is following what God says and enjoying the benefit and the blessing of doing the things that he says. That is real freedom. Not doing as you please, but as God pleases. Is it Thessalonians which says, find out what pleases the Lord. Well, what what pleases the Lord? Well, that's here, here in verse 13. I'm pleased when you come together. I'm pleased when you honour me by keeping the special day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, if you mean that from your heart, you're saying, you know, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I really look forward to this day it's the queen of days it's the best of days but they were speaking idle words they weren't speaking in that sort of language at all they were speaking in the days one to six type language and there are penalties for ignoring and abuse and we see that in a way because what's going on here is that they're not riding on the heights of the land. They're not feasting on the inheritance. Th- things are wasting away. The land is in a state of decay. God says, don't do that. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if this day is kept as is intended to be kept. There's great blessing for joyful use of the day in the way God intended. It is a real sadness if people feel that a special day like this it's just a drain and a drag. And I ask you to search your own heart about it. I look around this assembly and I have gladness in my spirit because I, I know that you know, the vast bulk of you, you want to be here. You want to be with the Lord's people. You want to be in assembly. You want to be praising God. You want to be turning from your sin and repenting. And that's exactly what God delights to see. That really pleases him. And that's what we're about, isn't it? How do we please God? And right up to the final book of the revelation before the coming of Jesus, we turn to Malachi um, chapter four and verse four. Malachi just says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb. For all Israel. So we're winding back the centuries. To that day when. On the mountain God gave this word. To his covenant people. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the law of my servant Moses. The decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb. For all Israel. No exception. And for all. So to summarise. This is a blessing from God, this special day, from God for all people. But it's only substantially so when recognised as being holy, set apart by God for the purposes he intends. It had special significance for the Jewish people. It was a sign of God's covenant and God spelled out to them what pleasing him looked like and what blessing would look like as well. Like all the laws of God, it was accompanied by blessing and by penalty Blessing for obedience and penalty by disobedience. And there's much guidance given to the, God's covenant people as to how the day should be spent and how it should not be spent. So don't please yourself. Don't walk in your own ways. Don't fill yourself with idle chatter. But come in assembly. Remember his blessings. Thank him for them. And remember that you're a redeemed people. And this mattered then. So how much should it matter to us now? Well, there's the question, because we've only come part way. And uh, those are some of the thoughts that we can have from the material that we already looked at. But what is, as we come next week, we're going to be seeing what Jesus does and says on this subject. And that's quite challenging. And how did the apostles apply Jesus' teaching in setting the pattern for church behaviour? And what principles should we be applying today I hope you've gathered something from that I hope you've gained some encouragement but we're only halfway through (laughs) we're only halfway through but it's good you now have six days (laughs) to be able to consider these things and perhaps to look at some of the other passages Um, like the uh, Amos, Jeremiah and Ezekiel that'll be up on the website as PDFs So you can refer to all these verses again and just go through that. We all need to be receiving God's truth on this matter. What an important thing it is, because it actually, one way or another, it it affects one day out of seven of our lives. One day out of seven, that's quite a lot. Big percentage, isn't it? We want to find out what pleases the Lord just resting on traditions but finding out what his word has to say